Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Erica Klotz, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Hello, Erica. Hello, hello. So glad to have you here. And before I tell everyone what we'll be discussing today and a little bit about you, I'm going to get a couple things out of the way, if that's all right with you. Sounds like a plan. Well, first off, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. If you want to see our talking heads, you can check out the Startup Hustle YouTube channel and at Startup Hustle Podcast on Instagram. So with me today, uh, I have Erica Klotz, who is the CEO and co-founder of Pop Bookings. Now, you know I love it when you're interactive. So go to popbookings.com right now. Once again, hello, Erica. Hello. So tell us about what you, well, we're going to discuss the gig economy today. Mm-hmm. You're a bit of an expert on the matter. And your company, Pop Bookings, is well-known here in Kansas City, amongst other places. So give us a little background about what you guys do. So we provide a platform to help book event staff. So a lot of the jobs that get booked on our software are going to be very temporary, um, kind of in the sales and marketing space. So, you know, we get some event workers that are doing the breakdown setup, um, you know, greeting people at the door. But then we also have the brand ambassadors of the world that represent brands at trade shows. They walk around handing out free swag, you know, at those events. So we all have some experience with the kinds of jobs that get booked on our platform. But, um, it's kind of a lot that goes on to find those people and book them. So we're helping to solve that at Pop Bookings with software and technology. I love software and technology. I also love the gig economy because I look back at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm 44. 30 years ago, stuff like this was really hard to do. It was, you know, there weren't things like I couldn't go drive an Uber. I couldn't, you know, like I had to really like you had to really go out of your way to get gigs and you know 20 years ago actually 25 years ago ish i was a bouncer at a bar and i Mm -hmm. used to get a lot of gigs because i was in a in durango colorado and it's not like busy at every bar every night so i what i had like my own gig economy i worked at four different places each different nights of the week and like but i had to go through a whole lot to kind of get that gig so i think it's pretty cool in this day and age that I, really what I, where I'm going with this is you don't have an excuse for being broke people. There's a lot of, a lot of things that you can do to, to get a hustle going. Um, now we mentioned like sales marketing and events and stuff like that. Why is this kind of stuff a problem for people that are holding the events and also that are presenting at them, meaning like the companies or booths? The core problem is it's, all over the place. Like you said, it's, it's no one stop shop to find these kinds of jobs. Um, even though they're really fun, you know, I've, I've done this kind of work in the field myself, um, back in the day when I was trying to get my first company up and running and, um, you know, I would go to Craigslist and Facebook and ask my friends about it. And, you know, in the industry itself and kind of how it works is it's, you know, before pop bookings was just staffing agencies. So you had to have 
these staffing agencies that you had these relationships with. And I had to be with like 50 different agencies just to get consistent work. So checking in and managing those relationships on that side was ridiculous, you know, to always be looking for work. And then when you're trying to find somebody to work, you're, you know, posting online, you're, um, you know, asking for referrals, you're calling up people, you're doing email blasts, you're doing all these different things to try to fill the jobs that you have available, because they're also all over the place. And so that's where we came in to say, hey, we need one, you know, central source to bring this industry together, because it already exists. Like we're not creating a, a new market, if you will, like this is already happening. These bookings are happening. We're just providing that platform for it to happen more quickly and easier. So when you look at these trade shows, so um, I used to work for Roland. It's the world's largest manufacturer of electronic musical instruments. And we did two huge trade shows a year. And one, one of which we had a booth that was an acre big, like a football field size is out and it's, it's an, massive. Yeah. It was the, uh, the NAM show. It's the, like the show for musical instrument manufacturers in that industry. Now think about that, like an acre, a football field size. And you can't like, we didn't even have enough employees in the United States to truly staff that. That was already an all hands on deck. We had people that worked at Roland who's sole job, like full-time job was to keep, so they did, they do one in the winter and they did one in the summer. We had like three people that worked there that were just like there to coordinate the whole presence of the booth. And if you look at like how expensive that is, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. And you know, another thing is 20% of any trade show budget is going to be travel and personnel expenses. So, you know, for us, we allow companies to hire local you know, being able to hire remotely and know that you're going to get people that understand how to work a trade show booth. You know, you can send all the internal employees you want, but half of them, you know, it's a special skill. Exactly. You have to be talking to as many people as possible during that event to be able to get the ROI on that event. And that's just something that, you know, a lot of people don't know how to do. So, um, and you're right about that. Now I, I like, I like to say that's an acquired taste Mm -hmm. um, because just because you can do it doesn't mean you want to do it. And, and, and no offense to the trade shows of the world. I, I just, I don't like them. Like I, I don't like being in the booth. I like going to them and talking to all the people in the booths. This I like, but be, I, I get like caged animal syndrome in the booth and it's tough because, you know, trade shows are tough. Like you're on your feet. You're typically standing on concrete. You're they're long days. I was gonna say long days. You're doing it's repetitive. It you is. get you know, and when you say the pitch, like you're doing the pitch, you're doing the same thing. And and you know, that was one of the things that I did when I worked for Roland was I'd go do all these trade shows all over the Midwest. When I say trade shows, well, whatever you want to call it, like expos. Yeah. And you know, they wear on you. And, uh, um, you know, some people are great at it. And if you don't have people that are great at it, you don't even, you shouldn't even be there because it's a waste of time. It is. And it's such a big investment that people often forget this key part as the people at your booth. Yeah. And your people. So in this gig economy, especially in this kind of trade shows, um, your staff, like your local staff, they think they want to go and it sounds fun and interesting. And then they get there and after about two hours, they're all sitting around messing around yeah 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 and they're they're just like you know and it takes a certain kind of motor and outward person to want to do that well Mm -hmm. i really love what you guys do at pop bookings and once again go to popbookings.com um check out instagram go to at pop bookings basically it shouldn't be that hard for you to find pop bookings online yeah it's a pretty straightforward name yeah you know (laughs) pop bookings so do we say that enough 
I don't know. I think we should say it one more time. Potbookings.com. There you go. Should we sing it? <laughs> uh, we'll save that one for later. Um, but all right. So the quote gig economy extends past some of the stuff that you guys do. And it's big. And it's estimated that 75 million people in the United States participate in the quote gig economy. And a gig economy is, has different names for it. Side hustle. Um, and just different things, but I mean, driving an Uber is an example, um, babysitting. I mean, I, you yeah. know, really like some people, maybe they teach a, a fitness class or whatever, but dog walking, dog walking. Yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of times people do all of the above, you know, right. to really get a good amount of income. If you want to kind of be like a full-time gigger, you yeah. know, <laughs> so. and some people do that too. But the problem is as much like you defined is all right. So when you were def talking about what you did and having to have, to have all these relationships with all these different places and so on and so forth, you spend just as much time looking for work as you do working, exactly. which, which means two things. Either you need to charge double or you're probably getting underpaid. So yeah. now let's talk a little bit about the mechanics of, of how you guys do stuff, because with this kind of stuff, um, no shows can be a problem or could be. So how do you guys get What's your process for like helping me as a business know that you're going to deliver? So a big thing is reviews, of course. So before, since the industry was so fragmented. Reviews you know, of the gig provider? Yes. And maybe of the producer too? Um, yes, okay. actually. Okay, yeah. sure. Because, uh, you know, you don't want to work for somebody that's going to yeah. treat people like crap when you get there. Um, and so, you know, ratings, reviews. So we we have several categories in that. So, you know, timeliness, mm -hmm. is this person showing up 10 minutes late every single time? Like right. that's something you would want to know. Right. As well as, um, appearance. Sure. I'm not just saying, you know, are you good looking or not? <laughs> but well, no, did you, you roll up in your pajamas? Yeah. If you're a slob, I mean, you're representing someone's business like that matters. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we have and all if I'm those paying categories. you to represent the business. I want you to like have your shit together. That's fair. Right. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. Or did you show up drunk? Yeah. You know? Also not There's good. Yeah. A lot of horror stories. <laughs> so is there literally like a rating for sobriety? It's like five stars and then it's, it's implied. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you, if you know show on our platform, obviously we refund you know the business of course um and then you're banned to work from that and we're very yeah. upfront and we, we show that on the app to the workers so you know it's it's one strike you're out yeah i don't blame you on that one i mean that's i mean it, especially when it comes to uh here's the thing is is this is also i refer to the needs as these are surge needs mm -hmm. like if you're holding an event like if whether it be and i'm more familiar with live events like concerts like, and you have a local road crew. These are like people that like you, you pull in and you've got three semi trucks. You're not traveling with 30 road crew. You might have eight and you need hands, you need bodies. And if yeah. they're not there, that can really, really, really like, here's the thing. The door's opening at seven and you need exactly. to be on stage and like, you have a deadline. It's hard. Yeah. It's public. It's not changing. Uh, yeah. And you want to talk about getting sizzled and fried online make people wait outside or like, I mean, there's a lot of people, I think people don't realize how much goes into putting on a live event. No, it, it's the most stressful thing ever. I mean, if you've yeah. ever done one, you know, yeah. but really there's so many logistics, there's so many moving parts and, and if one little thing goes wrong. It's a, it's a domino effect. So on at popbookings.com, what are the most popular gigs to, I mean, what are the most, what's the most popular? 
So the most popular job title is brand ambassador, but you know, okay. the different types of events really vary. Um, we what does do... that encompass? Is that someone to like represent your brand and just like yep. talk and present and exactly say, Hey, this company XYZ, they do this, they do that. And... Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, they go to, you know, concerts or anywhere there's where there's a lot of people. And so there's a lot of impressions to be made. So if it's, you know, a brand's target market, they want to be there. And sometimes they can't because of just logistics of getting somebody there that internally, but with our software, you can find somebody local, throw a shirt on, give them, you know, some talking points and a goal and they'll go kill it. Yeah. Um, samplings are huge. Okay. Uh, so a lot of food and beverage brands work with us as far as finding somebody to go work at that little retailer and pass out that cheese, you know, or what have you, or it's, um, a lot of liquor, liquor okay. clients, you know, the shot girls at the bars, things like that. So, okay. So what is it, what do you, what did these things typically like pay or cost? Like if I want to hire, all right, let's say that, um, so I'm going to go do a, a, a tech conference and I want some people to come represent full scale. Obviously you get what you pay for. Um, but we do have a system minimum of $15 an hour. So That's if you, super affordable. Yeah. If you yeah. post anywhere around that, like, you know, you'll I wouldn't get have people, very, if, I wouldn't have very high expectations for that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Our, our system wide average is more of the 22 an okay. hour. Still not so bad. Totally depends on where you're booking. Cause in LA you need to pay at least 25 an hour, right? New York, same thing. Still not a lot. Still not a not lot. Not in those markets. Yeah. That's surprising. So, okay. you know, we've had rates posted up to 50 an hour. So if okay. you really want rock stars, you know, you're looking more at that. So. Okay. So with, within the pop bookings platform, um, I'll be able to set up a profile from at DeCourcy. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, assuming I build up some ratings and some different stuff, do you profile each individual gig worker for the kind of specialties and stuff that they're like, I, I mean, I don't think I'd be a very good shot girl. <laughs> you know, we, we do have photos like, you know, we want people to know who's going to be showing up to represent their brand. Right. So we actually have a minimum of three photos, get the idea there. Um, you could put in your past experience, the types of brands you've worked for in the past. Um, Any audio or video samples or anything like that or like? Not yet. Um, that's something that we're looking towards, but we do allow you to chat back and forth with the person before you book them. So if you do want to set up an interview, it's very much encouraged, sure. you know, to kind of get an idea of how they sound and, and, and how they talk and present themselves. So. Yeah, I ask it at full scale. We put, have a video profile on the we every employee that works for us that has an employee profile, and part of that is a video. And um, for reasons that you defined, and um, like communications key, I got tired of answering the question because our all of our employees are in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So the I was always, and which by the way is like one of the most English fluent countries out there. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I actually, yeah. I have a few support agents there. Right. And they, uh, their English is fine, but it, we just assume that because someone's not in the United States, you know, a lot of people speak English worldwide. It's kind of a thing, but I got tired of answering that question. So we had our creative department do like a 30 to 60 second video on everyone. And I have not had to answer the question. Do they speak English since, but it made a huge difference because it also, also with that, we had our team members talk about like what, what they were passionate about. So it, it, it helped our, our, our cust our current clients and future clients get a little bit of a flavor, you know, some mm -hmm. flavor, but what the personality of the, of the people was, and, and that was pretty helpful. Now, um, with that similar to kind of like, and we're not a true gig economy, but you know, the more information you can get about someone, 
what they're interested in or what the difference. We all have upsides and downsides. Okay. So we had uh, marketing and salespeople. Now you mentioned that you guys help with street teams. Yep. This is a big thing for bands and anything that things that you're promoting, Mm -hmm. um, getting out and just like doing things related to that. And uh, is that something that you guys get a lot of participants with? You know, we do. Uh, street teams, you know, just even going in Times Square in New York, yeah. for example, just anywhere where people are walking around. Um, a lot of consumer face- facing brands like to do those kinds of things. Um, you know, and then we also have the the flip side of, um, you know, people that, you know, I kind of lost that thought. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about the, like with street teams, just like. I mean, it's hard to get people to go out and just like interface with the random general public. And, you know, I think that's, that's where you're going with that is, is, you know, okay, you, there's, you have to walk a tightrope in between like being like the people at the mall that I like, I'm like, get away from me. You have to have thick skin. I do not want my nails sanded down. And then being able to be approachable. And you know, one of the things, and we'll kind of go back to like the cheese passer outer position. Like there's a different dynamic. Like I think of a different, there's a different person that I want to hire for that. than I want to hire for a shot girl that I want to hire for someone that works in my trade show booth that I want to hire for like set up a breakdown yep. of different things. I mean, these are all completely different personality styles. They're different skill sets. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to have like a five foot tall, 85 pound woman, like hauling gear in and out. It's just part of the job. Like you, it just, it's yeah. a necessary part of the job right, description. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, with the, with this whole thing and you guys have been around since, uh, I, I loved that, uh, I asked before we actually do like a whole, like six minutes of preparation for every episode of startup hustle. So I think we might've been under that quota today. A little bit yeah. quick. I asked, I asked what the history was and you mentioned the, the, uh, the bar napkin sketch was 2014. It now. was. And thank you. Cause I feel like I'm not alone because I definitely, I always reference the bar napkin. Um, you could literally like form a company and sign a contract on the back of a bar napkin. I mean, Absolutely. it's like legit. Um, I mean, yeah. there's, it's maybe not as legit as you could get, but I think that's where a lot of things started. Then you guys launched in 2016. So as, and you guys have been successful and congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, but you had to go through a whole process and I'd like to kind of talk about that a little bit, the, you know, just the things, the ups and downs of getting this stuff started. Mm-hmm. So you, here you are, bar napkin. You're yep. like, this sounds like a problem we're solving. What yeah. happened between that and 2016? Like what, you know, and feel free to, to express yourself about this stuff that was unpleasant because there's always a list. Yeah. Yeah, there was, you know, it's, um, you know, thought of the idea, saw the need, you know, it was, it was very strong, did some, re- you know, research on the, the market size. It seemed, Hey, this looks good. Let's go after it. You know? So I, I ended up going and pitching my, my co-founder about it saying, Hey, we should go do this tech company. And he's like, we're, you're freaking crazy. Like we don't, we don't code, you know, or anything like that. How are we going to do that? We're non-technical founders. So it was mostly the first step was just building that team, you know? So Mm -hmm. we got our third co-founder. His name is Joe. You know, he's built a booking app prior to this. So he understands what we were trying to do and and how he could, 
you know, get us off the ground. So he was able to get the MVP going um, for us and improve the concept, you know, raise the money in 2015, started building, you know, the app out to be able to really charge, you know, full price, launch that in March, 2016. So timeline wise, you know, it, you don't think it's not going to happen overnight, you know? So that was, that was a good amount of time that passed. Um, and a lot of the challenges that we had, especially in the, the fundraising side of things, it's the, the education on what we were trying to do and the problem we were trying to solve. Um, you know, everybody talks about fintech and ag tech and all those other kind of industry sectors, but you know, everyone's really sleeping on event tech, you know, like it's kind of crazy how much money is being put into events and how much of a, in the stone age it is. So right. 22% of any corporate marketing budget is actually put towards live events. Mm-hmm. You know, you got those trade shows, conventions, expos, whatever you want to call them. And so that's a lot of money. That's billions and billions of dollars being spent. And there's almost no tech. So, you know, especially in the last two years, there's been a lot of people kind of trying to tackle this massive problem. And we're, we're doing the people part of the events, you know, which is a very specific part of it. But sometimes I wonder... Like, am I crazy? Like, I'm, I'm tackling problems of an events, which we already talked about deadlines, and, and it's really stressful, you know? And then I'm also doing people management, which is also notorious for being just really hard to manage. So, and, not, and not super scalable. It's, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, what am I doing here? And these are two very real problems. But, you know, it's, it's, that's where a marketplace needs to come about when you find this, this friction in the market. So, you know, it's, for us, we've actually, and in the accountability, when we talked about ratings and reviews, we're actually getting kind of some backlash from the event workers that have been in this industry forever, you know, the, the veterans. And usually it's the people that really are taking advantage of the, the you know, concept of being able to burn a bridge over here and have 100 other people that they can potentially work for. Um, and so, you know, managing PR has been kind of a really... Uh, special skill that I've learned in the last two years, especially, so. Sure, and you know... Um... You breezed right over the the tech part. Now, as the founder of, of Gigabook, I started a little prior to your bar napkin phase, and that's a Gigabook's a booking app that exists. It's a fully customizable booking platform that is largely built for industries that don't have an industry specific booking platform. So people will call me and they'll be like, hey, my my uh, my cousin's a hairdresser. I think she'd love Gigabook, and I'll be like, no. She will fucking hate it. And they'll be like, why? I'm like, because there's like six things that are built just for what she does. Right. Like we focus like Gigabook is and fully customizable for that purpose. Now, why? That's just the avenue we chose. Honestly, if I could, if my if I had a time machine, I would go back and pursue mm-hmm. a route similar to what you did because booking is not easy. You think it is. We, we here. I look back at 2013, and we were like, "Yeah, this will take us like six months to build." Three and a half years later, and about 350 grand, we launched. Mm-hmm. Like really launched. It was like two and a half years later, yep. and we spent a quarter million dollars before we collected a dollar. Which, looking back at it, like really wasn't that bad. Like, I mean, yeah, but think about that. So why is booking a challenge? Well, putting an item on and off of a calendar is not inherently difficult. It's all of the crap that can happen after. Yep. 
invoicing, the payment, the rescheduling, notifications, reminders, like don't double book, don't underbook. Time uh, zones. Time zones. I'm over here in this time zone. You're over here in that time zone. And God forbid, daylight saving time. Yep. Daylight. (laughs) And we tackled a lot of that stuff. And then you also have things too. It's like, um, so you talk about international stuff, like in the Philippines, they do not do daylight savings times. And here we do. And like, these are like little simple things that don't you, we take for granted with software that we use that someone had to think out Yep. because every one of those was a freaking problem until it wasn't. So yeah, we really learned a lot. And then you also have other things too. Like some of the things that were really hard building the, the gigabook booking app were things like repeating and recurring stuff. Yep. Just cause it's like, okay. And, and you think, oh, well, it's really easy. Yeah. But things don't always recur in a linear way. You can't just say like, do you need, all right. If you look at some things have to be done every 30 days, which is different than the fifth of every month. Yep. Yeah. Cause the fifth of January to the fifth of March is not a 60 day spread. Nope. And, and is there a leap year? Leap years. We don't talk about leap years. I mean, fuck <laughs> you, whoever decided to have that fourth year have an extra day. And I'm like thinking to myself, next year's a leap year. Ugh. And I'm like, God, do I need don't to remind like, me. I need to like go <laughs> call, like call the gigabook team. But so all this stuff. And here's the thing is I'll tell you what, man, and it, don't mess with people's bookings. Mm-mm. It's not good. And oh, you talk about that backlash, that PR and that stuff. And like we, I mean, there was a time, there was a time when, I mean, we were just basically giving it away for free. We're like, if you will use it, go ahead, yeah. you know? And, and, um, all right. So one of the challenges with a marketplace, especially in the beginning, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you've heard me talk about it. And if you read million dollar bedroom, you heard me, you, you read my thoughts on this marketplaces are tough, especially in the beginning, because when they're empty, mm-hmm. it's hard to get anybody to participate. So there's just like chicken and egg problem in any marketplace, whether it's labor products, classified ads. And I, I learned this cause I got tired of getting banned from classified sites from affiliate marketing. So I decided to build my own. And then I was like, shit, no one's in here. It's like going into a bar at midnight on a Friday and no one's there. And they just, I used to mention, I used to be a bouncer. Mm-hmm. You're in an empty bar on Friday on a midnight, people walk in and they walk right back out. Yep. And the same thing with a marketplace. So how did you guys overcome the empty marketplace problem in the beginning with both service providers and, uh, and companies seeking them? So we actually started with our kind of secret growth hack, if you will. So we actually started as more of a B2B SaaS platform. So we actually didn't launch this marketplace until this year. So it's pretty relatively new for us to be a full public sign-on, be able to find somebody marketplace. So we we had components. So, so we it was a closed with... marketplace at first? Exactly. I see. Okay. Yeah. So we had staffing agencies. But still, that's a marketplace that has to be filled. Yeah. yeah. But they came with their own rosters of people. So, you know, they're the ones kind of <gasps> building out the... Um, the you know team that they're going to be working mm-hmm. with or the posting the jobs as they get the job so really they're kind of in control of their own destiny so they're not going to recruit people in a market they're not booking in yet you know okay. so it they kind of kept that quality control going and and we ended up being kind of multi-agency enabled so i can have one profile with 10 different agencies and so with that respect then you know, I'm starting to see, oh, pop bookings is the spot to go to check multiple agencies because this is something they're already doing. So we had a very interesting user market that they were used to 
seeing an empty job board with some agencies, but they still logged in. Did you have to give it away for free for a while? For the talent, it's always been free, um, okay. still is. Um, and then with the the agencies, we actually did charge because to really, we're asking them kind of a big thing because they do event staff booking as the core of their business. So, yeah. you know, we're offering them all these awesome management tools to really help solve this major pain point in their life, which is scheduling and booking and, and seeing people show up and paying them. And so for them, it was, you have to really just put that investment in and, and be serious about uh, making a change. But so you just rattled off a bunch of things too. So now you're, you're thinking about building your tech and you're like, okay, well, this started with something that needed to have a calendar, but now we have invoicing. We have payment mm -hmm. gateways. We have like all GPS these GPS tracking. Yeah, yeah. That's oh yeah. That's and why do you need GPS tracking? So you can say yes, this person was at this place and did the job and did well. Yep. Maybe not. Maybe they were at <laughs> least there. Too. Well, we have a there. picture check in as well. A real time photo has to be taken of you in uniform in the spot you're supposed to be. Not just saying in your car. And these right are, outside the event. <laughs> and, and I bet I bet a lot of these things too. You didn't provision for on the bar napkin. You know, that's what we raise money for. Yeah. You know, the core like, was booking, figuring that out. Yeah. You know, but there we wanted to be a fully managed, you know, platform. But some but some of that stuff sounds like it's it's like and you can't help but have to you can there's things you can be proactive about and then there's some things you can't. Like yeah. I like the picture check in. I would be shocked if we wound back the time machine and we were on the bar napkin. You're like, yeah, we'll have to use GPS geofence location and a picture check-in. Like, because that probably occurred from something happening where like someone said, oh, they weren't there. And then someone else was like, yeah, I was there. And you're not in freaking Boise, Idaho to prove that either occurred. Exactly. <laughs> right. But the, the problem with that is a, as an entrepreneur and a business owner is – Okay, so now you realize you have a problem and all of a sudden you're already probably knee deep in things you want to build and you're like, but we got to do this. Yep. Yeah. And, there's the and how fast does that build, occur? Yeah. And then there's the oh, need yeah. to build. Yeah. So how do you go? And that's, a, oh man, we could let, probably do like a three-part series on that. Yep. Um, I, I'm a big proponent that when it comes to need or want, like if you're going to, you, this is what you get your, the baby's going to be ugly people, get it out there and let people use it because yep. your users are what matters. Your clients are what matters. And they're going to quickly tell you like what's wrong with your shit. They're yep. going to say, Oh, that was tough in the beginning. You know, first time founder over here. So it was like, Oh, you know, I used to take it to heart really, you know, but, but it's more like you can't because it's more just like good feedback. Like it's yeah. okay. Well, I was wrong. You know, you're probably going to be wrong on what you should build. <clears throat> well, I don't think it's about being wrong. I think it's about it's about being agile and listen. Yeah. I, I I say listen for the echoes mm -hmm. because it's it's easy to want to chase feedback in the beginning. You hear one thing and then you're like, oh, we got to do that. We got to do that. And it's like, you know, it's like me with my ADD chasing shiny things. Yep. And, but you can't do that. You got to listen for the repetition. And then on top of it, sometimes that repetition's false. Like it's, it, yeah. there are things that people might not like, but they're not necessarily prohibiting you from growing your user base or retaining your user base. These are things that like, and those are the, those are the tough ones. And there's a lot of them at times. Oh, it's yeah. like, there, yeah. there could be a whole plate of them and yep. it's like, hmm. <laughs> yep. And so it's like, what do I chase? What do I do? Yep. And, and, you know, you have limited, I mean, any startup, let's be realistic. You guys have raised some money, right? We have. Yeah. But are we allowed to say how much? Uh, close to 5 million. I mean, that's no small sum. It's not. Yeah. So, 
But while that sounds like a lot, I can run through it pretty quickly. Oh yeah, you know, and and we're we're technically pre Series A, you know, yeah. because we we had to get this marketplace up and running, you know, and and mm-hmm. get that going, and that's really the gravy for us as a company. So do you, you guys know, have an app too? We do, yeah. Okay. Apple and Android. Wait, we got to build something else, right? Yeah. So you got the web platform, you got the Android, you got the Apple, and it's it's a lot, you know. But uh, for us, we wanted to be the one app for the industry. And, and, and by and, the way, the Apple, um, <laughs> I've literally had people come and pitch me for investment and stuff. And I'm like, you know, Apple's going to take a percentage of your shit, right? For certain things. And they're mm-hmm. like, what? Yep. Like, you know, now I, how do you guys, you certainly aren't taking payments through the app then. We're not. Yeah. We're doing, well, we're if, doing because payments. If, Cause if you were though, no, if you're like doing stuff through that, then Apple wants a piece. And that, you know, that's like, I don't know, there's, I mean, there's just so many things you got to really think it out. And like, remember, like these aren't public service platforms, like Apple's a big company. Yep. Last time I checked. (laughs) They're pretty big. But they're 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 finicky with their apps though. Like you can, I feel like you can get an app into the Android store in about eight minutes. (laughs) Um, Apple is going to put you through like, and we've run into this with different stuff, like, you know, you'll be sitting there waiting for review and 10 days later, it'll just get back and be like, this has been rejected. Yeah. And then it, you're it like, why? To plan. And then it you got to wait longer. Days, yeah. Or it could be next day. Yeah. And you don't, you never know. Yeah. And it's, I mean, these are things that, you know, like talk about hurry up and wait. Um, mm-hmm. So 5 million bucks. Congrats. Thank you. Um, that is significant. Um, let's talk about raising money for a minute. It's always a hot subject and yeah. something that. Um, people have unique input. So I'm assuming that didn't all come in one check. It did not. No. Okay. So, um, I mean, how'd you go about starting to raise money? Where was the, like, what, what are some things that you found frustrating, surprising, or how could you help someone not suck at it? You know, I think, you know, I had several challenges just being a, you know, first time founder. I'm, I was pretty relatively young, especially when we started and, you know, uh, got the the age thing, you know, and all of that. So um, it was, it was, you know, interesting to, to have those conversations. We went when, when through. When you say age, it's more like experience. Exactly. I don't okay. have a track yeah, record, you know, right. and, and, and it was, a, it was there, but it was very short. So you know, you have people that have been, you know, have lots of money, been doing, you know, things in their life and, and they want to invest in people that have the same. But at the end of the day, the passion really mm-hmm. is what helps, you know, me and my team raise that money. So just being ultimately convicted in what you're doing and, and have a plan, you know, and really just thinking and in those conversations, you, you have to let that show, you know, because I think that's really what helped us was just showing how passionate we were and just how involved and how we took the leap, you know, it, it, this is what I wanted to do. And I was going to do it full time, whether or not I got money or not, you know, and I think those kinds of things help investors know, Hey, I'm, I'm investing in that bus driver. I'm not investing in the bus. You could have the best shiny bus in the world, but if you crash it, it's, it's gone, you know? So they really have to believe in you as a person. Um, and that you're going to keep working on this, you know, through the, the thick and thin, because the entrepreneurship is definitely a roller coaster. It's not, um, something like, you walk a straight line on. So, um, you know, that really helped. Uh, I will say that, um, we don't have a lot of people in Kansas city that understood events, you know, so we, we kind of had that 
challenge specifically. And so it was that that educational piece of, you know, here's what we're doing. And, you know, the investors that were wanting to diversify their portfolios, we had to kind of educate them on the problem. Um, so getting people to invest in things they don't understand is hard. It is definitely hard. Yeah. But um, once they saw how real of a problem this was, it, it was kind of a no brainer. So um, it's just a matter of, you know, getting a hold and access of those investors. What helped us, honestly, is that we were in an accelerator program pretty Which early one? on. Spark Lab, Kansas City. Okay. I don't think they're they, around I was going to say, are they still around? They're not. I believe we were the last. Yeah, we were the last class that went through. Um, Did and you find that helpful? Very. Yeah. So tell me why. They had some programming around, you know, learning about business concepts and things like that. So it, it was an earlier stage accelerator program. So, um, you know, some people, you know, didn't know a lot of that stuff. Uh, but the, really the biggest thing for us was getting to present at Demo Day, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of that program, being able to showcase what we were doing. And they had did a really great job of getting investors in the room that were looking to do startup investing. So kind of getting that access and that um, getting into a program that's competitive like that is validation. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it, you know, entering in competitions and things like that really does help too, because it, I, I compare them to like the badges, like boy scout badges or like your yeah. baseball card collection or just any of that yeah. stuff or like a video game avatar. Yeah. Like you just, and by the way, I, I'm fairly certain the Matt that's not here as an investor in your company, isn't he? Sure he sure is. Yeah. yeah he gets yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so Matt, um, has been successful as an entrepreneur and, um, Matt favors the the uh, the shotgun approach in mm-hmm. some regards and makes um, smaller but still meaningful investments. And he's, yep. I don't even think he knows how many companies he's invested in. You know, but these check, I would believe yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but with that, and I say that shotgun approach is investors, have, some investors want to put bigger amounts mm-hmm. into fewer companies and then some want to spread them around and go early stage. And there's different types of investors for different stuff. One thing that I, that I'm going to say that in, in my opinion that you nailed was the passion thing, regardless yep. of, uh, it doesn't matter if you don't have passion for what you're doing, it is very detectable. Yep. And why does that matter? Cause look, I'm going to shoot some reality at you. You got a fucking dog fight in front of you. And you're going to get bit, scraped, beat up, shut out. You're going to cry. I've cried. I, I've <laughs> cried and I, I don't cried. cry. I like cry like every like five years. And it's usually about something that like that. But if you can't get up off the mat, well, you're out. You're out for the count. Now, one thing about passion is it will drive you through a lot of that stuff. You can yep. get through a lot of crap if you're passionate about getting back up and it's just literally, I just described like the heart of a fighter, like a fighter, like that's like one of the things, like, can you get up and continue and continue and continue? And then, you know, one of the things that's a challenge and a lot of people express this, they're like, well, I don't have any experience. I don't have a track record. Well, investors like the jockey or they like the horse. Mm -hmm. If they can get both, they're going to place bets. And that's tough in the beginning because you're trying to convince people why you're awesome and they're and and keep in mind too, an investor, any investor, until they give you a check, it's their job to get the best deal possible for themselves, for their fund, for whatever. So they're not always going to be like, you know what, Erica, I just think you're awesome. And I'd love to give you more money at a lower valuation because of that. 
No, fuck no. They're going to tell you everything <laughs> that's wrong. Yep. They're going to tell you why you suck and why it's not worth this and why it's not worth that. And then, but in the back of your head, I, and listen to this people in the back of your head, I want you to think it. And I'll tell you right now, if they are having that conversation with you, they are interested. These are good things. These yep. are don't come out of that meeting and go, God, they hated everything we know. Cause I, I know a hell of a lot of people that write checks like a ton and they are busy. And if the moment they're not buying, they send you out the door. Yep. Like literally like, and, and I've actually been involved with that. Like set, like on not in person, but in a call and they're like, no, this isn't for us. Like three minutes in and I'm like, okay, cool. Thank And I, I thank yep. them. I'm like, thank you. Yes. You're saving my time. I get no it. No one likes this slow no. No, no, hell no, hell no. But the thing is, is these folks are like, you know, when we had, um, there's a whole lot of shows in the feed that are related to funding. Go back and listen to them because we brought people in from all different kinds of stuff, VCs, alternative funding, accelerators, all of it. Go find them and listen to them because you will hear everyone say, I get a hundred submissions and we might write one check. Yep. So you got to wrap your arms around that. And that means like, you're going to get a lot of no's. So you got a lot of no's, didn't you? Yeah. 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 We got, we got no's, you know, and you, it is what it is. Move on. You know, not everyone feels that way because that's back to that passion. Like it's almost testing you. I, I believe that success demands payment in advance and there's no real way. Like you don't just wake up and you're like, oh, cool. I'm successful. That was easy. Right. Hell no. And <laughs> got a pe- headache and, from the day before. <laughs> and the people that you think that 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 are in that situation aren't. Because yeah. if you talk to them, there's no such thing as an overnight sensation. There's like, I mean, maybe a few. Like, so maybe I'll retract that a little bit. But overall, like these people are grinding. They're yeah. out there. Like, I there's a video of Taylor Swift when she's like 14, like playing at an open mic in a bar in like Austin. Yep. And like, you know, and then a couple years later, she was playing arenas, but she was in the grind. Like you don't just get noticed. Oh yeah. You know, I, and for those of you listening that want to syndicate this radio show, like with Joe Rogan or someone else, we're, we're open for offers there. <laughs> See, but you have to actually be doing it and, and be, be, you know, grinding and beating that up. So, all right. So let's talk about something that might be a little abrasive. Um, well, recently Uber, well, Uber validated everything that you do with, uh, a recent, so Uber, <laughs> uh, all right. By the way, people talk about what's a startup. I thought it was funny. They called Uber a startup until it went public. Once your name becomes a verb, you are no longer a startup. Right. So once people were Ubering, no longer a startup, but that you talk about something that, that Uber is a verb. I mean, and known for ride sharing and their painful inability to become profitable, like really bad. Like, I mean, they're losing like a billion dollars a quarter. So they're really trying to branch out and try to use their technology for stuff. They offer some alternative forms of gig economy stuff. Did you see that as validating or were you like, fuck you, Uber? Or maybe both. Honestly, you know, so they announced, I think it was actually a couple of years ago that they announced that they were going to do Uber Works. They, so they did? That didn't just come out of nowhere? It was like being piloted, I think, in one market, which I believe was Chicago. And, you know, it just seemed like it was kind of fizzling as an internal thing that they were trying to do. Um, and even still, I think they went national, you know, recently this year. And and I've heard their name once in sales conversations. Yeah. So, you know, it 
for us, I, I think they are finding their niche because of, you know, you can cast a wide net, but at the end of the day, you're going to find, you know, certain sectors of that, that you're going to be stronger in. And I think they're a little bit more on the, you know, dishwashers and then things like that, that are very low skill. Concession you know. stand workers, some of those yep. things, there might be some overlap, but mm -hmm. the other thing too, is they're going to go through all the same crap you went through. Exactly. Yeah. Except for the, they're going to learn. <laughs> yeah. These big companies and you know what, they shouldn't scare the shit out of you if they come and, and enter your space. Like there's more validation than anything else. And I went through that. Um, we were a couple years into Gigabook and then Microsoft announced that they were going to have a booking platform. And it was really funny because when it came out and it's probably still now, we were better. We literally had a better product that did more stuff mm -hmm. and did it well than Microsoft. They're just and, too big. I mean, it's, it's like just, the Titanic trying to turn something around I, I, I mean, to I be can, agile. Yeah. It's yep. all, virtually impossible. I sometimes. talk about trying to turn around a, a, a battleship in a swimming pool. Or yes. something like that, or an exactly. aircraft carrier, or any of that stuff, and and that's the that's the advantage. I think that um, that a lot of the stuff that's come up. So you know, Uber's inability to turn a profit, and WeWork's explosive valuation, and a lot of this stuff are bringing attention back to the fact that businesses, in the end, at some point, need to make money, mm -hmm. and, yep. and you know, like they really do, and. I think that over the next few years, uh, you're going to see a, a, a renewed emphasis on businesses like, you know, cause right now you can like I, Uber's got a gajillion dollar valuation, losing a billion dollars a quarter. Like take that to the bank. Like if I took, if that was full right. scale and I took it to the bank, I'm like, Hey guys, I need a loan. They'd be like, <laughs> you, you said loan. You said you wanted money, but like I could make an argument, uh, well, business school will tell you there's no profit. Yeah. There's no value. I mean, the math. Yeah. It's math. But maybe not. So it's just so weird. But eventually, you know, businesses do have to make money. There has to be something that that exists that's a value. Um, you know, the funny thing is I look at Uber's like ride sharing thing, like raise your price a little bit. I don't think I'd even notice. Right. I mean, yeah. I really wouldn't. I'd be yeah. like, okay. I mean, and I'm also lazy, so I'm not going to like... Be like, I, you know, I'm going to put the Lyft app on here too. And I'm going to see how much it costs. Like, can I save 84 cents? No, man, thing. it's yep. on my phone. You won. Congrats. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I don't even use it that much. So, okay. So for those of you listening, and I know you want to go out and sign up for a gig or maybe hire some people or do something related, go to popbookings.com. We said we'd sing it. Popbookings.com. That was free. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you at pop bookings on Instagram. Um, once again, today's episode of startup hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io. We help you build your software and development teams quickly and affordably. By the way, you guys actually use remote developers. It's not at full scale, but you found some success with that, right? We did. Yeah. 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 It's a challenge, but if you get it right, it's, it's great. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we like to close out our episodes of startup hustle with what we call the founders freestyle. Ooh. So you're going to get to talk about whatever you want, but because I'm a kind and gracious host, I will buy you a couple minutes or moments to okay. consider that. Um, but yeah, so um, I, I think that that when it comes to the gig economy, you know, a couple of things we didn't point out is this is estimated to be a $55 billion global economy by 2023. And that's got to be pretty exciting. So all right. So as we close out the episode, 
Um, I just, we like to hand over the mic. You can, you can, it can be a pitch. It can be advice. You can, um, you can do whatever you want. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty open-ended. Well, we realized that due to the ADD and conversational nature of the show, that sometimes we could leave things unresolved and we want to let, we want to make sure that our guests get a chance to play the missing note or. Gosh, I mean, I feel like we've covered a lot of great subjects, you know, I mean. I'll tee it up for you. What's some advice that you could give for a female founder Mm -hmm. when it comes to starting the business of their dreams? Ooh. How about that? I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, So speaking of girl power, you know, playing on your strengths is Mm -hmm. something that I found that's really worked for me. So, you know, I am a very emotionally intelligent person, you know, so as far as you know, building teams and and dealing with clients, you know, that something that I showcase when I am, you know, trying to raise money and somebody might not understand, you know, what it's like to invest in female founders, you know, but showing that it works, you know, and all of that, it's, it's really something that you should just, just play on those strengths, you know? Yes, I am a girl. I am not going to try to be a man. (laughs) I am going to, you know, play on the strengths that I have, and find people that can supplement that. So, you know, I have a good diverse team that I've built over the years, you know, so it's got men, women, it's got, you know, people of different ethnicities and age groups, you know, and it, I love that. I think it's great. I'm not going to be the female founder that goes and gets a bunch of other females behind me. It's just not something I'm going to do. I'm going to try to make it to where we have different types of people to help build this product because our user base is like that. So it's funny, you know, the people that work at these events, you'd think, oh, they're going to be, you know, like a little bit younger, 25 to 40, you know, whatever. It's actually, we have, you know, college students, we have the stay at home moms, you know, that are just trying to get extra income. And then we have the retired people that are just trying to get it out of the house, you know? So we have a lot of different age, you know, like, I guess, uh, demographics that we need to, uh, to build. So I think that's really helped us is being that diverse and, you know, figuring out those strengths and really just playing on them. Not trying to force it. Well, I love that. And I I don't even like labels. Like you're an entrepreneur. I don't exactly. Care if you're a chick or right. If you're white, black, Latino, mm-hmm. Asian, I don't care. Can you get yeah. the job done? I say that all the time. I'm like yeah. people are, you know, ask me about, you know, being a woman entrepreneur all the time. And I'm just like, well, I mean, similar. Yeah, I mean I, <laughs> so I, similar. I mean, yeah, I mean, technically you're trying to do the same stuff. Yeah. I, I know it's a hot topic and it's, I mean, it's touchy for some people too. And, you know, yeah. like I've actually given my, like, I don't care about labels and, you know, I've had people, well, that's cause you're a white guy. I'm like, well, I can't do a lot about that. <laughs> right. I can't. All um, I could do is say it well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a kind of a crazy high statistic cause computer programmers are overwhelmingly male. Yep. 25% of our developers are female. Yeah. At full scale. Like we have a ton of female programmers and like, yeah. I don't care. I mean, they do, the, they do the job. I think it's great. Some of our, some of our clients actually like gravitate towards that. They're like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> Hey, you know, if that, if that's what helps you feel good about what you're trying to accomplish, that's great. Well, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it goes back to that diversity thing. You know, I mean, it's different worldviews, yeah. you know, ultimately end up being good. If you just have yeah. one set of type of person working, that's what you get, you know, versus... 99% of my employees are not white men. Good. There you go. <laughs> I feel like I'm winning on that one. Woo! <laughs> so I'll go ahead and close out. I'll, I'll rock my freestyle here. Um, so look, a bar napkin can turn into 
a business can turn into $5 million in funding, can turn into a dream, can turn into you helping other people provide for themselves and their families. These are things that matter. Um, I think really in the end, if you wake up every day and your goal is just to do something that matters, you're going to be fine in the end. Um, and, you know, the whole gig economy, I love it because I really wish stuff like this was easier 30 years ago. Yep. Um, I think it's awesome now. Like, you know, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, so they will eventually grow up and they will go to college and they're going to call me and be like, dad, I want money. I'm going to be like, dude, how about that phone that I pay for that's in your pocket? There's something in that mm -hmm. that you can get out there and hustle. Like go get, go earn it. So many ways to make money. Yeah. And you don't have, so an, you don't have an excuse. And I think people complain, oh, I'm broke. Oh, dude, you got a million fucking ways to make a buck yep. that are like right in front of you. It's like literally like so easy. Now you got to go do the work, but it's easy to find options and opportunity. And mm -hmm. I think that's, what's awesome about pop bookings and, and so much of these, just all of the gig economy in general, like, it, you know, it sounded very painful talking about having to work with 50 different booking agencies and all this different stuff. But guess what people, folks like Erica have thought this out for you and whether what you need is at pop bookings or out, it's out there. Yep. It's out there and I don't care what it is you do. There's probably something that's catering to or whatever you feel like, you know, spending time doing. And with that, all right, let's think about what you just described, going to an event, going to a concert. I'm around people. I could be having fun. Like it doesn't have to be terrible. No, it really doesn't. It was fun. I, I work yeah. some fun events. You meet cool people. You do cool mm -hmm. stuff. Like, I mean, you just talk about like, so many different things. Like if you like music, there's, there's concert events, there's stuff like that. Like, yeah, you're going to have to put in some work, but guess what? You don't have to haul gear in and out while the show's going on. You probably get a few minutes and like, it's just like some, if you enjoy being around that vibe and, you know, and I, and I mentioned this in my recent book about the music industry, like the music industry is like a, an iceberg. Like what you see on stage is literally the tip of that iceberg. There's 99% of it is below the surface. And these are crucial things. It matters. You're important. Like mm -hmm. th the show must go on and, <laughs> you know, like, it, and, that, and I think that that's important. You know what? I think I'm going to use pop bookings to find more co-hosts. For when Watson's not here, but <laughs> pop book them. Well, yeah, but you know, and, and you also talk about the efficiency. Like we've used, you've scheduled your um, co-host uh, time here today using Gigabook, mm -hmm, and people ask me a lot. They're like, "You must with a podcast that comes out four days a week. You must spend a lot of time on booking." I do not. Yeah, I do not. All um, automated. It was great. It is. It's you, well, no, I sent you an invite, and here's the thing: it's like I took me a while to get you to come in. That's okay. Yeah whenever you had time, but I literally serve that up to you. I'm like, look, here's the times when we'll be doing this. Find one that matters or don't. Got a little reminder this morning. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Use the South entrance to the building. Yep. <sighs> Critical information, man. Uh, we have a maze of a building. Well, anyway, I think that I'm all fired up about making a couple extra bucks, a couple extra bucks. So I'm going to go head over to popbookings.com and <laughs> find myself a gig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See y'all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.